This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Erica Mites. In 2015, Erica began her focus on real estate investing with the forming of her newest company, Maroon and Gold Investments. With her core values of community and family in mind, Erica launched a new kind of investment group, a company with a simple but elegant strategy to connect investors to great investment opportunities that focuses on sustainable, commercial, and multifamily properties. Erica's core objective is a relentless pursuit to provide opportunities for passive income for her investors while keeping ethical and responsible principles as a priority. Erica, it's great to have you on the show. What else would you like the audience to know about yourself? Well, we had a fun acquisition in November of last year where we acquired a resort up in the Brainerd Lakes area of Minnesota. And uh, day of closing, I walked out of the closing doors and said, you know what, I'm going to move up there. It's so incredibly gorgeous. I'm living on a lake in the woods and I have 17 cabins up here and living my best life. So I get to work from home and do all my acquisitions from home and I travel and it's really, it's really pretty incredible. Nice. And we're uh, recording this in the middle of April. Is there still uh, snow up there? We just got more snow. (laughs) So we thought that it was going to be gone for the time being, but it came back just to have a -a peekaboo. That's Minnesota for you. (laughs) Uh, So how'd you get started with real estate investing? I started pretty much like most people. I started in single family rentals. I uh, acquired a model home back in the um, 2015, that was a 2008 model home and uh, went under in California from the crash, from the financial crisis, acquired it for $1,000 of closing costs and uh, held on to that for about five years, made 80000 plus all the cash flow. And, you know, kind of that was the start. And I saw how it could materialize and Having uh, more doors under one roof really spoke to me, and that's what uh, that's my mission. That's the way I want to go. Excellent. And then currently, are you uh, investing passively or actively or both? I do both. I have a quite a few passive investments. I have a couple GP investments where I raised funds for projects and partners, and then I have businesses that I also run separate industry businesses. And what kind of deals do you invest in right now? Right now, I'm really focused just on the resort and hospitality sector and also multifamily. Why uh, Why are you so interested in like resorts and multifamily? Resorts are fun. So they're just a fun, you know, lifestyle investment. Multifamily, I really want to do good and have some good passive investments for my investors, but also have good product out there for people that need good housing. And that's my mission. Excellent. And, you know, I wrote my book about real estate, which covers like a whole spectrum of real estate investing. And when I was mm-hmm. researching, I, I tried to find a good book about resorts investing, but uh, there's, it doesn't exist. There's no such no. thing. <laughs> no, it it doesn't. But you know what I've come to um, a lot over the last six months is in business, because every asset that you buy is a business. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it, there's passive income. Yes. But if you're actively in the investment field as a general partner or as a key principal, 
you're running a business and your business is truly only as good as the team that you have built behind it. And uh, I can attest to that over separate, several different industries and the teams that you build are the teams that make you money. And that's the, that's what it comes down to in business. And how do you find team members? So for me, I, I bring them on and I, the trust with team members is the biggest thing. We do a deep dive. So everybody that we bring on into our world, we definitely disclose that we stock them and make sure that they're, they fit us and we fit them. So we don't, um, we don't have a lot of people that are, you know, big partiers and drinkers and things like that. That just doesn't fit our model. And um, we also take a, a risk assessment on if there's litigation suits against them. What what are they? Why are they there? We also look for past criminal history. We do background checks. So the the, the pool narrows when you are that. Um, focused on somebody, but yet it also opens up the trust a lot quicker. Very good. So for people who are considering investing in resorts, like uh, do you, you know, allow for passive investors into your resorts or, or is it uh, just primarily you as the ownership? Yeah, we did a very, very small raise into our resort, but we did a very intimate raise. So um, we have a just a handful. It's only about five partners in this resort. And um, we're, we're going slow, especially with the market, the way that it is right now. Um, we know through COVID that the outdoor um, industry, for instance, glamping and camping and resorts, that kind of thing, it boomed and blossomed in COVID. But we're we are going slow because we want to see if it makes it through this market change that's I believe is coming up. So um, we're going to go slow. We've had other offers to buy more resorts, but we want to see how how this all materializes. Make sure we're we're doing all of our due diligence beforehand. Where do you see resort investing going over the next couple of years? I actually think it's going to stay stable. I think that people are going to want to have that short burst of a vacation, but stay close to home and not travel overseas so much. Um, that's been a lot of the consensus. Our Most of our demographic is returning generational clientele. So we've had clients that have been coming to our resort, this particular resort for 80, 60, 50 years in a row. It's it's pretty wild. So our our model is very different than an Airbnb model where Airbnb you go one time and you might try another place, another time and another place, another time. The, this clientele wants the same place over and over. They want their kids used to it. They want their families to know where to go and they want to know what to expect. And that's, um, it's a, it's a different business model than our, our other short-term rentals that we've had. What's a typical sort of return that passive investors can expect from a resort, you know, whether it be through cash flow or appreciation or both? Yeah, um, we did it a little differently. We just did a straight return of 10%. So it was very simple. Uh, we figured we were going to uh, attract investors that were uh, kind of had their heart in the game more than necessarily their finances. We had a lot of people that wanted to, to um, take over the resort when we were buying it. And just redo the whole thing into HOAs, 
sell off all the cabins and then do an HOA build because you would you can have that as a backup plan. That is our backup plan in this resort. If something were to happen, if it wasn't um, cash flowing, we would probably sell off one or two of the homes and and have an HOA type of um, association on the on the resort. But right now it's uh, pretty good. So the returns is we're putting everything right back into the resort. So I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we would necessarily even offer what we do in our multifamily space, just because we're hanging on to this asset as a legacy asset. Nice. And then uh, what are you doing to rehab the place or, you know, as well as advertising, you know, things to get in more guests? Yeah. So we were really blessed uh, when we put an offer in on this asset, we we jived with the owners right away and they are really helping us out. It's been in their family since 1938 and they have really taken care of the property, kept up all the buildings. There's not a lot of deferred maintenance at all. Most of it's fun, cosmetic updates, and um, those are coming along quite nicely. And so we flipped, we've flipped one cabin. We're in the process of flipping one cabin and we've brought two other cabins online that were part of the property, but not in the portfolio to rent. And so for investors who are looking to potentially invest with resorts, how can they find, you know, options for places to put their money? Yeah, there's actually, uh, if you go on just, just like multifamily, if you go on YouTube and things like that, there's several people out there that all they do is invest in resorts. In fact, we've been, um, we've been, we've had somebody reach out to us because they wanted to run a resort and that that's what they do. So I guess if anyone was interested, let me know, I can give you somebody's number. His name's Doug and Doug and Nate, and they go and they help people acquire, run rehab and develop resorts and RV parks. Other than that, I don't, I don't have to be quite honest. I don't have a lot of, of uh, contacts in this space yet. My contacts are in multifamily primarily. Gotcha. And then with uh, multifamily, what sort of multifamily assets are you looking to acquire? Yeah, uh, we are moving away from the deep rehabs and going into B plus, A minus asset classes right now. Uh, we have a C minus building and it's the rehab is pretty heavy with all of the uncertainty with well, supply chain's not quite as bad as it was, but it was pretty bad. And um, the prices, the fluctuation in prices and inflation, we're just kind of staying where we're, we'd rather do a smaller return and a more stabilized unit. Yeah, that makes sense, especially considering uh, the unstable or instability that I'm expecting at least over the next year or two, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the I don't think we'll have a 2008 level crash again, but uh, perhaps a dip in the market and those better quality, better located assets are the ones that do better in a downturn. Right. If you, I, I, I would say probably if you had a C building, maybe a C location, but you had a B minus building, C plus building where you didn't have, you know, big plumbing or big HVAC lifts, you could probably be fine if it was stabilized, but to go in right now is really uncertain. There's a lot of uncertainty. 
Yeah, I hear you. I'm not uh, much of a gambler myself. I prefer the sort of gambling like real estate where you know there is a risk, but you can stack the cards in your favor if you know what you're doing. Right, right. I always ask, um, can it underwrite with the with what it has going on right now without any bumps in the rent, without any rehabs in any of the units? Could it could it pay its bills and and break even? And so that's one of the the metrics that we kind of talk about when we do some underwriting with our teams is if stuff went sideways and we had to just pay our bills, could we do that with the income that's coming in? And then then we go from there. Real estate is all about adding value to other people. An easy way to do that is to share this podcast with someone you know who wants to do more passive real estate investing. Also, subscribe and leave a review. Now, let's get back to the episode. What does your passive portfolio look like right now? Yeah, I have a, I have a, well, gymnastics club that I'm passively invested in and actively invested in. So it's a, kind of a, a wonderful play there where that's a every first of the month there's there's a nice chunk of cash that comes in, and then we have multifamily senior living. And uh, we are looking at a storage deal right now. Okay. And uh, I'm curious about the gymnastics. Do you own the building as well as the business or, or just? No, or the other? just the build, just the business. Now we are looking at um, getting into the Austin area of Texas with gymnastics and that one, we would look to own the building and put the business in. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, I, I find when doing something like that, when you can have the building in one LLC and then the business in a different LLC, it sort mm-hmm. of protects, you know, both. Uh, so if somebody sues the business, they can't, you know, access the um, equity in the, the building and vice versa. 100%. The other thing that's awesome about that is if you have these two different industries where you're buying industrial space, plus you're putting a gymnastics club, it's two different sets of people. So you have one set of people running a building and, you know, if you're in raising money to invest into this building, and then you have another set of people that are actually running the company and teaching the gymnastics and making sure that business is getting started. So you're, you're, you're kind of diversifying a little bit in the sense of you, of you have one team that's focused just on the real estate aspect of it. And one team that's focused just on the business part of the child activity center. Okay. And then when you're looking for syndication sponsors with uh, whether it be multifamily or senior living or self-storage, uh, how do you find the sponsors uh, that are, are going to be good in those areas? You know, I have a fantastic assistant and marketing director, and she is constantly helping us um, on LinkedIn and booking calls and making sure we're out there with our face on podcasts and doing all this kind of wonderful networking. Um, so that is our biggest thing is, is cold calls as, as crazy as that sounds, it's, it's still pretty, pretty much the way that you start to get to know people in this industry is, getting to know their contacts. Uh, it does help that you, if you have run a successful business and you have history and track record to that, that is a huge play to get the trust of a new investor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, for the, the 
sponsors with whom you you've passively invested like how have you found them same i did it on trust knowing them knowing knowing how they are and that do they hustle you know a hustle a hustler doesn't ever want to fail and they will fight to the end to try to make sure that that business doesn't fail so um trust and and knowing somebody works their butt butt off is awesome yeah that makes sense so for passive investors who are looking at you as a potential syndication sponsor for them to place their money how could mm-hmm. how could they determine whether or not you are a good match for what they're looking for? Sure. Uh, one, I would love to have a phone call, lunch, coffee, anything. Um, I do believe face to face face will never go away. So, um, I Zoom is a great way to meet somebody to start start it off and see if it's even worth meeting in person. But um, yeah, a phone call, anything. I'm open. I go to Dallas probably every month right now. So those are, you know, I always have met, I've met like three different potential investors in Dallas while I go. So I always try to make every trip or every, every opportunity available when I have to travel to other States too. Okay. And uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to, you know, set up a, a coffee or a lunch or whatnot? Yeah. Texting is the best. <laughs> so emails get lost so easy, but texting is the best. And my number is 510-557-0727. Text me. I'd love to take you out to lunch or coffee. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes and people will text you. <laughs> hey, uh, what's the problem that you've encountered with a real estate investment and how was it handled? Mm. Uh, one, I would say one awesome problem is a mismanagement of funds. And uh, the reason that I say it's awesome is because you learn quick and fast what you need to do with that asset. And what I did, um, although I was just a fundraiser on that asset and my role was to raise money and step away, I actually had the opportunity to insert my business acumen that I have built over the last 30 years and help this asset turn around and and really get its feet back on the ground. And that was fun. And it was great. It was a learning, great learning experience. And I met a ton of awesome people along the way. Great. And uh, with your active investments, what is your role right now? Fundraiser. That's my main role, except for the resort. We are actually the asset manager on that resort. Okay. And then for fundraising, do you do that through the GP side of the syndication or the LP side? We do it through the LP side for a piece of the GP. How does that work? So for instance, uh, raising some of the cash um, for the LPs, bringing on investors basically, um, then I also put in money into the LP side and uh, then they pay me through acquisition and also through the GP percentage. <clears throat> and my role is uh, investor relations. Okay. And then um, are you a, what's called a broker dealer? No, I wouldn't say that because I'm not licensed. Okay. Okay. So then you uh, probably have 
like if you're getting a percentage of the GP uh, with the fundraising, then you, mm -hmm. you know, would ha also have to have some kind of other role as well yep. to satisfy the SEC. Yep. So I have an active role in the GP. So I meet every week with my, my team and we talk about how the building's going. We talk about what units still need to be rehabbed. We go through everything. So my role is investor relations. And in one of my buildings, I also am like the secretary to our team. And that's when we, we basically make sure everything's running smoothly in the business. Excellent. All right. Well, are you ready for a speed round? Yeah. You should probably say in there too, though, that it is very delicate with SEC. So you can't just raise funds and expect a reward of a GP position. So a, a lot of fundraisers think that and you can't, you have to have an active role in the project. Exactly. That's, that's why I was asking it, you know, cause uh, we all want to make sure we're following the rules and regulations of the SEC, uh, yes. you know, which there are lots of them, but uh, you know, it, it, it's better to stay on the up and up. I, I find. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Speed round. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? <laughs> Mailbox money. Excellent. And uh, what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? That I wish I did it a little bit earlier, like 30 years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't we all? Uh, what's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Millionaire Next Door. Great book. That is a great book to remember to stay frugal and live below your means. And uh, besides texting you, how could our listeners get in touch with you if they want to know more about what you have going on? Yeah, you can uh, check our website out at Maroon goldre.com or email me at erica e-r-i-c-a at maroon goldre.com all right i'll put those in the show notes as well is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet check us out at heathsresort.com and check out the the place come see us up here it's awesome oh excellent all right well thanks erica and you have a great rest of your day awesome thanks Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.